episode 244. Welcome to Data Skeptic, a podcast about data science and fake news from an algorithmic perspective. Here's your host, Kyle Polich. Coming to you from Montreal, Canada at a subpar hotel north of the NIPS 2018 conference, this is Data Skeptic. Today on the show, we've got a perhaps overdue discussion of data ethics. I sat down with Scott Nestler, who teaches a course on the subject at the Mendoza College of Business. Just before we get into that, a quick word of encouragement to listeners who haven't ever read an academic journal. Go check out the NIPS proceedings. It's intimidatingly big and filled with a bunch of terminology that you might not know, but flip to a random page and start reading. If it doesn't make sense, read the references. If those don't make sense, just repeat recursively. Anywho, just a thought. Now into the interview. Hi, this is Scott Nessler. I am an associate teaching professor and the incoming director of the Master of Science in Business Analytics program here in the Mendoza College of Business at the University of Notre Dame. Well, I'm glad to have a chance to speak with you, Scott. I know you teach a number of things, but the one topic in particular I was hoping we could focus on is ethics, and especially with a lens on data analytics and data science and that sort of thing. And to warm people up, what is ethic? I think everyone has an understanding of it, but how do we quantify it? Well, that's one of the challenges. I mean, ethics are typically a set of expectations that we as people who are members of a particular group or organization would like our fellow citizens of that group or organization to follow. They're not laws, although they often do inform laws. And how does it generally show up in a context of data? This is still a very rapidly changing area. I mean, people have been studying ethics and ethical norms for many years in the context of business for maybe fewer years, but also for quite some time. But now with the increased use of data to help inform decision making, it's becoming even more of an issue, especially as we see things happen that perhaps we look at and say, okay, that's technologically possible and it might even be legal, but is it really what we want people to be doing with data and helping to inform decisions? I have found in my own life that ethics, certain things are very clear, sort of don't kill type ethics. I think everyone agrees about them, but there always does seem to be a gray area. I once met someone who was trying to get together an idea that they were going to sort of do a distributed denial of service attack against this organization as a form of protest, sort of analogous to the way a bunch of people, protesters could gather in front of some store they don't like and not necessarily block entrance, but protest there. And I don't know how to feel about certain things like that. How do you go about teaching the subject when it seems to be that there's this gray area somewhere? One of the things that I, coming from a more technical background, I would primarily identify myself as an operations research analyst or a management scientist. And from the professional organization that represents those groups, Informs, back around 2010, 2012, we started looking at all of these job listings for people who do business analytics and seeing what they entailed and saying, you know, this is pretty much the same kind of stuff we do. Let's figure out what this word analytics means to us and how we go about doing it. So many of the problems that I've been asked to solve in the past have been much more quantitative in nature, where there's a right or a wrong answer or perhaps an optimal answer where we're trying to maximize or minimize some objective function. But with ethics, there often isn't a right or a wrong answer. There are maybe well-supported approaches or answers and less well-supported answers. So teaching and especially assessing and grading responses to ethical questions is uh, certainly not an easy thing as I've found the past year or so since I've started doing this. 
Do you have any quick advice for people on how to make ethical decisions? Or is it always a complicated sort of mental exercise to walk through the rights and the wrongs of different situations? Well, no, I think there are things we can leverage and use to our advantage. I mean, if we think about research ethics in the context of academia, be it medical research, scientific research more broadly, we have plenty of sorts of guidelines and codes of ethics and laws that have been put in place often as a result of horrible things that we as humans have done to one another. And certainly we should be at least aware of those. And in some cases, those guidelines, those codes, those requirements still apply to data ethics or ethics and analytics and data science. But I would say they're a good foundation, but I guess it's best to say they're necessary, but not sufficient. So first off, being informed about how does research ethics work, even if we're not purely an academic, but we're doing what might be research E kind of stuff out in a company, but doesn't formally qualify as a human subjects research, because maybe the reason we're doing it is to improve the user experience or the interface or something like that, rather than to broaden or expand generalizable knowledge among humans. So it maybe technically doesn't count as research and isn't explicitly required to follow the same sets of guidelines, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't. So first off, I'd start off with that. And then beyond that, being aware of things that have happened in recent years through the use of data that maybe aren't what we want and thinking about how can we prevent these sorts of things in the future. So A-B testing is an interesting area. If uh, a company would want to do some simple A-B testing on their site to change, you know, should the button be red or green, I can't imagine there's much ethical concern there. On the flip side, there was this case, and I'm personally not sure how I feel about this, but there was some controversy when Facebook did a test of showing people you know, more happy or more sad things in their feed. So somewhere in between there, there's a line, right? Test the color of the button, no big deal. This Facebook thing, some controversy, right or wrong arose. How do we know where the line is? In that example, I mean, companies are always tinkering with the color or placement of a button and things like that. So if the interface is constantly being changed anyway, doing it in an experimental sense probably isn't a big deal. But when it gets to something more like, well, are they manipulating your newsfeed or potentially your emotions? Is that something they do on a regular basis or not? And I suppose that people could have different opinions about that. Some might think that they do regularly. Others would say, no, they don't. But you're right it's hard to figure out exactly where that line is. But the other piece to that is, well, what's the impact? What's the potential harm that could come from that? If I don't see a button for another 0.4 seconds because you changed the color or moved it on the screen from where I'm used to seeing it, probably not too much harm. But on the other hand, let's say I've been having a bad day, a bad week, a bad year, and kind of hanging on. And all of a sudden, someone manipulates one of my social media feeds, and it causes me to kind of go over the edge or do something harmful to myself or others. Well, then that's probably crossed the line. And there's no easy answer as to where that line is, for sure. Some of my background research for our talk today, I learned about the not the informs group that you'd mentioned earlier, but specifically their informs ethical guidelines sheet, which I thought was a nice breakdown between you know societal, our organization, and professional ethics. Could you talk a little bit about how I presume that's part of your course? What are some of the high level tenets there, and uh, what do students kind of learn as they uh, discuss these processes for the first time? 
Yeah. So if you look at how codes of ethics or ethical guidelines have come into being over the past few decades, some organizations, some fields, particularly computer science, I would say were very forward thinking. Back in the 1970s, many of the larger organizations for computer science professionals started realizing, hey, we need to have an ethical code. And they came out with something recognizing things that they thought could happen in future years. And they were right in some ways. But the one thing I would argue is that they probably didn't keep up with it as much as they should have. And five years ago, had you looked at those codes, many of them were still from decades ago and hadn't been updated to reflect changes in technology and usage that maybe rendered them somewhat irrelevant. In comparison, ethical codes that come from medicine are often reactive or responsive in nature to bad things that happened, like I mentioned earlier, and then something was put in place to, well, we can't let this happen again, but they tend to be fairly narrow and focused and maybe not as broadly applicable. Another set of codes I would look to is kind of journalism, actually. And if you think about it, journalistic codes of ethics tend to be more broad and look at telling the truth in an unbiased way. And they tend to be more general in nature and maybe more aspirational rather than saying, thou shalt not do this. They instead say, hey, try to do things that are like this. So when Informs sat down to uh, write its ethical guidelines, and by the way, this is the second sort of set of ethical guidelines that Informs wrote when they launched launched the CAP or the Certified Analytics Professional Program a few years ago, there's actually a code of ethics that's a little bit different for that. And that code of ethics more closely follows the ASA, the American Statistical Association's Guidelines for Ethical Statistical Practice. And we talked about, do we want something like this for our broader membership, not just for those who are applying for certification under this program? And the answer from the board and the leadership was, well, yes, sort of, but we don't want it to be this binding code that has punitive clauses and so forth. We want it to be more aspirational in nature, kind of saying, hey, this is the way we should act towards other people in society towards our client and customers, those we work with and each other as professionals. So there's a little bit of the background and history behind it. I can see a lot of deep thought in its structure. I was particularly taken by the kind of breakdown. There's society stuff, our organization, and then the professional level. The organizational level is interesting. Maybe we'll get into that. But I thought I'd love to start with the professional side of things. If I go to work for a company and they say, we have these ethical standards as an employee, I just need to follow them and trust that whoever wrote them did a good job informing them. Maybe I have some feedback, but by and large, follow the organization's standards. But even outside of that, as a professional, I've got to take on some level of responsibility that my machine learning models are correct or correct enough if they're going to affect someone's life, I guess, and that I communicate them effectively to my collaborators so that they don't make bad conclusions from them or this sort of thing. What are some of the high-level takeaways people should have about their professional conduct, uh, especially in, in a data science sort of realm? Sure. So one of the things that I should mention before I dig into that is that when we set out to create this set of ethical guidelines, we actually didn't set out to create them in these three areas of society, organization, and profession. We just kind of started with a big list, and then we started talking about it and saying, well, which of these are related to one another? And it was kind of a clustering algorithm, informally done, if you would. Mm -hmm whereby they sort of naturally fell into these three groups. So if you think about it, there's actually 18 guidelines in the Informs Ethical Guidelines, which are the first word of each of the six bullets in each of those three areas. So for example, in the profession, those words are cooperative, impartial, inclusive, tolerant, truthful, and vigilant. And then beyond just listing six words, because words can mean different things to different people, we attempted to describe typically in one sentence 
what does this word mean or how does one go about being or acting in this way? And then similarly for the six in organization, the six in society, but then what's really important here is not just looking at this one page or wallet size card of the ethical guidelines and saying, okay, I can go do this. It's all very kind of pie in the sky, aspirational in nature. How do I actually implement this where I am working in the particular role where I am at the organization where I am? So one of the exercises I do with my students in class is I have them pick one guideline from each of these three areas. So three in total out of 18. And I make them go through an exercise that Dave Hunt, who led the effort to develop the ethics guidelines for informs that he and I came up with where we have them take it and say, okay, more specifically, here's what it means to me at this company or in this role and how I'm going to go about using it and operationalizing it. So ideally we would expect or we would encourage people to do this for all 18 of these. And in the class exercise, I just have them do it for three. And, you know, they come up with a paragraph or two about each one. And my thought would be when you move into a new role, you probably ought to sit down and start with the informs ethical guidelines or something like it, and then think about So what does it mean in context of where I am, what I'm doing, and how can I actually force myself or encourage myself to act this way? That's what I would do with it. Hey, listeners. I want to interrupt our discussion of data ethics to tell you about our sponsor, Brilliant.org. Brilliant is math and science done right. It helps you master key ideas in math, science, and computer science through problem solving. Brilliant has a unique and easy-to-use website that's very clear, brilliant.org slash data skeptic. I think the course they have that's most useful to our data ethics discussion would probably be their logic course. It's also one of the most fun courses where you learn by example and by problem solving and riddles. Most importantly, the course tackles formal logic, which is crucial for any form of reasoning or critical thinking you want to do. If logic doesn't sound like your passion, don't worry. They've got courses that span the gamut of science and math. Why not check out their machine learning course or brush up on linear algebra? All of that and more at brilliant.org slash data skeptic. One more time, brilliant.org slash data skeptic. We can't touch on this topic without bringing up the elephant in the room of Facebook that has so much attention paid to their algorithms and things these days. And as best as I know, they're having a a lot of internal talks about how to do content moderation, filtering of fake news and what should or shouldn't be filtered, that kind of thing. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on organizationally where those efforts should be driven from. Is this something data scientists and operations researchers should be driving from a research point of view, or is it product managers who should put the demands or executive down? Who should be holding the baton in this situation? Well, I think probably all of the above. I mean, it's important to have your actual efforts of what you're doing from an analytic standpoint in line with what the mission, the vision of the organization are, what the precepts, the principles are that the organization is trying to follow. Do your actions align with your values? One of the earliest books about ethics and data came out, oh, I don't know, probably six or seven years ago. At this point, it's a little bit dated, but I think still has some value in looking at it. But one of the things in particular that I'm thinking about is the part where it talks about this, how do we align our actions in terms of what we're doing with data and analysis with what our organizational values are and what we say we care about in mission statements and so forth. It's, you know, how do you connect those two things? And I think it takes buy-in from the top. It takes mid-level management to be involved. And it certainly takes the actual people doing the analysis and uh, data science work to be in the middle of it too. 
Well, before I ask you the question I was going to wind up with, I wanted to ask, do you think there's any important points that uh, we should have touched on that we didn't get to? Okay, I guess the thing that comes to mind for me is that concerns in this area don't happen in just one place. I mean, we hear about it a lot with regard to social media platforms and so forth, which is certainly one place where it's very visible to us these days. But there are plenty of other places. I mean, the use of wearable devices and the way data about us is used and maybe combined with information available about us as people in, in other systems, data that might be considered medically inflected. You know, it isn't truly PII or HIPAA type protected data, but but it give others clues about our health situation. The use in the workplace of data for different sorts of hiring, promotion, selection, decisions, things like this. It isn't just in one place that we have to be concerned about it. It's all around us really at this point. I guess the big picture I would focus on is it's not just what can we do from a legal perspective or a technical perspective or what do we want to do in terms of, say, an organizational bottom line, but what should we do from an ethical perspective? We've heard about double and triple bottom lines that account for, say, the environment and so forth. But I would argue that a piece of the bottom line, the multiple bottom line, ought to be the ethical perspective as well. And to wrap up, I guess I would point out the fact that people are actually starting to think about, so what can we do? How can we do this? There's things like the Ethical OS Toolkit, the Ethics and Algorithm Toolkit. Some companies, Censure has recently come out with a uh, bias uh, or a, an AI fairness toolkit. There are people recognizing and organizations recognizing there are things we can do, and it's a fast-moving area. I think we just need to pay attention and get on board, in, at least in our uh, corner of this space. Well, to wind up, I usually like to ask something a little speculative. They're, depending on who you ask, we're at the crest or the height or the beginning of a cycle of analytics really pervading all of our society and devices taking measurements like the medical ones you brought up. It seems to me there are likely to be some interesting controversies in the future that we haven't even considered the ethical ramifications of, that as technology evolves, new questions will be asked. Are there any particular areas you're especially fascinated by in this regard? Well, I mentioned wearable devices already, Fitbits, Apple Watch, more specialized one for, say, college and professional athletes. That area is one because it overlaps with my interest and uh, activity in sports analytics I am finding particularly interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Anything beyond that, I think, would be pure speculation. That's just an area I'm trying to follow a little closer because it's of interest to me. Knowing that that's of interest to you, just curious to hear your thoughts on like drug detection and these sorts of things. There's been a lot of scandals in sports lately. Do you think the sports will get cleaned up through analytics or how will these two things marry together? Well, I mean, there has been some change with testing in some sports. And I guess from an ethical perspective, the question is being transparent about what is it we're doing? What is the purpose of collecting data, combining data, analyzing it? As long as all those involved are aware what's going on and understand it and agree to it, not a problem and overall probably a good thing. If it's being done by organizations, teams, and so forth without uh, individual's knowledge, though, then uh, I probably have some issues with it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of transparency as well as one part of the solution. Well, Scott, thanks again for taking the time to chat with me on this area and share some of your thoughts and expertise in it. Where can people follow you online? So, I mean, I'm fairly active on Twitter, Scott Nessler. LinkedIn is uh, primarily my professional social media network. And then through the programs that we run and I teach in here at the university, our business analytics, undergrad and master's program, and also our online data science program. Outstanding. We'll have links to most of those things and also some of the earlier references we had in the show notes for people who want to read a little deeper. 
Scott, thanks again for coming on. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Data Skeptic, where the news may be fake, but the data doesn't lie. Show your support by getting a t-shirt at dataskeptic.com.